Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Voices. <laughs> uh, this is episode 19, Occupy Colony. Our guest is a, a special guest is Patrick Wood. Hey, say hello for us, Patrick. Hello, good to be here with you guys. <laughs> good to hear you. And uh, co-hosting again is David Callahan. He'll be running the news desk here. And our topic is Puerto Rico. Dave, say hi. Hello, Terry. It's good to be on, and hello, Patrick. I'm glad to be visiting with you today, and we know this is going to be a very uh, thought-provoking and uh, provocative program, I'm sure. So uh look forward to the conversation. We've uh, – Pat's been on before. Uh, you uh, co-wrote with uh, a historian, uh, economics historian, uh, Anthony Sutton, uh, we'll have links to the two shows that you've done before. Uh want to take a look. Your area of expertise here is, looks like we're looking at a technocratic disaster. Uh, can you kind of give us uh, some thoughts on uh, on what do you see in Puerto Rico? Well, I think as we go through some of the some of your material, <clears throat> we'll have, uh, you know, some opportunity to, to comment as we go along. It's a very complex situation. I, I realize that um, nobody expected that Puerto Rico would be com virtually completely destroyed by this hurricane. And, you know, I know there's conspiracy theories running around out there. Well, somebody made that hurricane and they directed it, you know, towards Puerto Rico. I, I personally, I don't buy that. I, you know, stuff happens. They've, there's been... Uh, hurricanes in that area for as long as I've been alive, actually, uh, of one type or another. But this one really caught Puerto Rico, uh, just just absolutely nailed them. And the the first biggest problem that comes after that, I think, is that there's a mentality uh, amongst the global elite crowd that that disasters are opportunities to be managed. And when a disaster happens, uh, or emergency or whatever, uh, it, it offers those who would seek to control people to do so. They can step in, take advantage of it one way or another, use it for other purposes, even to, to, um, to get other angles across that they want to get across. And so there is a... I, I guess I, I'm thinking thinking about sharks. There, there, there's a lot of sharks that are circling <laughs> yes. Puerto Rico. Some of them are actually focused on Puerto Rico, and some of them have nothing to do with Puerto Rico. They're just exploiting the the damage for their own purposes. And it could be in another state, could be in another country, uh, could be you know in, 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 in an industry that has nothing to do with Puerto Rico whatsoever. But uh, disasters, when they happen, are made to be managed, uh, you know, by this elite crowd, and and I'm sure that there's some of that going on right now. Patrick, yeah, um, can I make a, uh, ask a question to follow up that I've read your book, Technocracy Rising, and seen the insight that you've uh, provided there. Um, isn't it really important that we understand that Puerto Rico is strictly another step toward the end game? Well, <clears throat> before words, the it, it doesn't yeah. matter what the disaster, there's an end game that's looking to be achieved, and Puerto Rico is going to simply be another step 
toward that end game to be achieved. Is that right? Well, at this point, it, it's, it's speeding some things up. Before the hurricane, you'll remember that Puerto Rico was bankrupt. And they were pleading with the U.S. government or Congress, basically, to receive some type of bailout package. It was a disaster waiting to happen. Uh, I personally think the handwriting was on the wall. I don't, I, even without the hurricane, I don't think that Puerto Rico could have possibly survived economically because their population has been dwindling significantly. I think it was down 11% in the last several years. Um, <clears throat> young people have been leaving the island in droves. Those are the prime workers that uh, would fill jobs. <clears throat> and then you basically just have a government that has, has been you know, pursuing policies that led to bankruptcy. So Puerto Rico was a thorn in capitalism side <laughs> way before the the hurricane took place. The hurricane has sped things up because while Puerto Rico was already on its back, gasping for air, uh, now it got flooded, hammered, knocked all the trees down, knocked almost all the buildings down, uh, all the generators down, uh, power, you know, everything has just been decimated on the island. And uh, at this point, everybody's trying to figure out how can Puerto Rico recover? How can it rebuild? And this isn't like a Houston where, you know, when it had a hurricane there and it did a lot of damage. It's not like even New Orleans, where you had a big hurricane that uh, did a lot of damage, or Florida, for that matter. Uh, Puerto Rico is a wasteland. There's nothing left to recover from. There's no economic base that can fill in the gap. It's a complete charity case. It's like a <clears throat> it's like a guy that uh, you know had insurance and he's out riding his motorcycle, got in a wreck broke his back and was paralyzed from the neck down. He goes into the hospital and uh, they take care of him and try and put him back together, but they can't. And he's laying there and he can move his lips and his eyeballs and that's it. Well, here's a guy who has no ability re to recover. He's just, what can he do? Can't move his hands, his legs, whatever. He's paralyzed. Um, <clears throat> he'll never pay off the debt that he, that was incurred because of his hospitalization. And he'll never be able to work a day in his life. This is Puerto Rico at this right now. It could change. But I, I look at Puerto Rico right now as just a, a you know a patient that's on life support. And there is no ability to recover uh, to the state that it was before. Like, let's say, go back 20 years or 30 years, uh, where actually it was a pretty decent, uh, pretty decent place, you know, economically and socially and so on. That's all gone. And um, this is a drag. It's a further, it's going to be a further drag on the mainland economy because we're going to have to support this humanitarian disaster. We're going to have to. Um, I don't know what else you can say. Well, just let them die. No. Well, you could, I guess you could just say we're going to evacuate the island and just bulldoze it all into the water and just let it be a deserted island. I don't know. But, uh, you know, it's we've a mess. A, we've got a quote, uh, Dave, I think you've got it there in front of you, the, uh, a, a CBS correspondent that was returning from there. What's the, what do they need most? 
and he ends that segment with money. So it, the, the CBS guy coming back is saying just exactly what you're saying, um, that they're in a unique situation. I'm speaking from what used to be Indiana Territory. Uh, David, I think you're in what used to be Florida Territory. And are you in – where are you, Patrick? It was a territory. I Mesa, Arizona. Mm-hmm. Mesa, Arizona. Well, in fact, that was the last uh, territory. That's right. Yep, Arizona uh, Territory. So this isn't something that's never been done before. Puerto Rico is a U.S. territory. They're U.S. citizens. Um, they're they're stuck. Uh, they're, there's a quote there of where they're saying we're being colonized to death, and I'm paraphrasing that. David, can you help me out here on the on the two? Yeah, what uh, it said links? was. Um, Someone said, we are no longer dying of hurricane, we are dying of colony. And that's a uh, um, quote in one of the uh, links that will be on the website. We've got a uh, – what's what's the next from the news desk then after that, David? Well, next we want to just take a little look at the tax situation. A new okay. lady has been put in charge by the name of Natalie Dresco, who some who have followed international news know that she was involved with the situation in Ukraine over the last couple of years. They um, set her up to be Minister of Finance there, and they're bringing this lady to supposedly um, bring the economy back in Puerto Rico. They're already talking about bringing the economy back, even while people are starving and dying and, and uh, don't even have water to drink. Uh, that seems to kind of even indicate uh, where priorities might not be quite right. But uh, anyway, that's the next uh, item on the uh, news desk. And and she is, uh, mm-hmm. part of her bio is she's uh, she's recommending technocratic government, which is where we come back in with you, Pat. <clears throat> Can you give us well, a brief picture of what a technocrat would see as a solution to this? There's two aspects of the word technocrat. If you just look it up in the dictionary, you'll find it. Uh, with a small t, it means government by experts. That and that's really it. Um, capitalism, uh, or excuse me, uh, technocracy with a capital T uh, is a replacement economic system that was devised in the 1930s to replace capitalism and free enterprise. That's my biggest concern right now. Is this replacement economic system, because the United Nations has sworn publicly <clears throat> that they're going to destroy capitalism and free enterprise and replace it with sustainable development uh, or green economy, which essentially is technocracy from the 1930s. I right. documented that in my book. So there's two aspects of technocracy, small T and capital T. Um, <clears throat> Puerto Rico is going to deal with both. Uh, at this point. And and I have to say, when it comes down to running certain aspects of society, like, say, the sewer system, (laughs) uh, you like to have somebody in charge that knows what the heck they're doing. You know, you don't want to put a dog catcher in charge of the, you know, managing the the sewer system in a town. It'd be, oh, boy, it'd be a mess. No time at all. Uh, So we have to have competent people that are running certain parts of society that take technical expertise. I have no problem with that. I'm, I'm glad that we have some competent people around. I wish there was more, quite honestly. 
But every person who has the technical expertise who serves in a city, for instance, <laughs> the, 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 the septic system, the sewer system, um, most of those people don't have any ulterior motive of taking over the world, you know, and, con- and conquering the world for, for the sake of social engineering. They're just out there doing a job. They're practicing their craft, whatever that is. And, and, and they're, they're just trying to serve and do a, do a good job for society. And I, I don't have any problem with that kind of mindset and those kind of people. But the people that's, that really concern us when you look at capitalism or with uh, technocracy with a capital T uh, are those people that exercise this, the same kind of influence, but they do have in mind to take over the world. And they do have in mind to transform the world against its will. And uh, this is wrong, in my opinion. I think most people would agree with me. Uh, we we don't want to be psychologically engineered or you know society to be engineered by a bunch of scientists and engineers who don't know what the heck they're talking about. So there's a mix of people I know that are circling around uh, Puerto Rico right now. And on one hand, you have to say, looking at all the disjointed stuff that's going on in Puerto Rico, right? Oh my gosh, that there's there's so many things that are helter skelter there. Nobody seems to know what anybody else is doing, and nobody seems to be in charge. Well, <clears throat> it the situation cries out for somebody to come in and say, okay, you know, like a like a military commander would be in the in the field. Uh, somebody's going to be in charge here, and we're going to we're going to try and get this place cleaned up, and coordinate all these different things together so that they quit running around circles and screaming and shouting, and just get down to getting whatever job done done. Right. Um, it cries out for somebody like that right now. Just say I'm you know I'm going to be in charge here for a time, and we're going to we're going to we're going to try and straighten this mess out, and that's partly the reason that they've hired Natalie Juresco to be their quote unquote technocrat in charge, uh, bring, you know, bring in the experts to try and piece it back together. How much of the health strength is she controlling? Do we have any idea on that? I mean, is the governor? Have to- well, no, here's, here's here, well, here's the thing. She is, she's no doubt connected to the global elite. She's worked hand in hand, side by side with the IMF, with the World Bank, um, with other banking interests throughout the world. She, the lady is obviously up there, right? I say, uh, quote unquote, right. up there. She's got connections, and she's viewed as uh, the uh, an expert. It's kind of in the old, like in the old Western movie, you had the hired gun, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. And if you didn't have somebody on your own uh, crew that could draw and shoot fast, why well, you'd hire somebody from out of town that was a gunslinger, you know, come in and and be your main fighting guy. Well, okay, this this is kind of like that. She's a she's a top gun. That she's viewed that way, and they're reaching out to her, saying, "Can you come in here and try and put our country back in order again?" We don't care, and, and basically say, we don't care really what you do. Can you just do something? And she's accepted the challenge. Now, here's the risk with that. On one hand, Puerto Rico needs somebody to try and put the thing back together. On the other hand, you have to be careful who you're asking for 
because this lady is very close to the technocratic machine that does seek to take over the world. <laughs> so, in fact, you know, uh, just just as a uh, side note, I found just by doing a Google search, she was involved with a company called Horizon Capital, mm-hmm. and one of the things that Horizon Capital recently has done has taken a fund which was in Ukraine, uh, apparently called Siklum, and actually transferred that fund to George Soros's uh, fund. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, you, you remember uh, our dear friend uh, uh, Anthony Sutton said, follow the money, follow the power. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that was found on a second page of a Google search. So yeah. um, she's connected to some serious people who are part of the technocracy mm-hmm. elite. And I would like to just follow up your point about the two definitions. Which of the two definitions would you suggest that she is more aligned with, the small T or the capital T, Patrick? Well, the dangerous one is the capital T Uh because the consequences of that are not known yet. Um, Puerto Rico is in need of 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 (laughs) technocratic management with a small T. (laughs) It really is. Somebody just, you know, make it right. But uh, if... Uh, if Juresco comes in with a capital T agenda, Puerto Rico will never be the same again. And it could well be used. Well, let me back up. I got to explain this. There has been a moral hazard created. And if people don't understand what a moral hazard is, uh, you, you will as we go along. Technocratic forces in America, especially have created a moral hazard in our country where the technocrats, the true technocrats, want to see capitalism fail. They want to see it fail. Why? So that they can implement technocracy. This is in line with the, with the global agenda to implement technocracy on a global basis. America remains the engine of free enterprise and capitalism in the world. And forces all over the world are calling for our system to fail. Now, this has set up a moral hazard where many of the people in charge in our country, whether it be in Silicon Valley with uh, soft power like Google and Facebook and Twitter and so on, or hard power where there be people in Washington and buried in agencies like the, the EPA and Energy Department or whatever, Defense Department, um, that are in the back of their mind, hoping and waiting for capitalism and free enterprise to fail so that technocracy could be implemented. This creates a moral hazard. I, I, I liken it to Humpty Dumpty who sat on a wall. Well, the poem goes, Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. To a technocrat, the moral hazard exists. Well, if we know Humpty's going to probably fall anyway, why don't we give him a little shove? <laughs> Just give him a, let's give him a nudge. And maybe we can get him to fall off the wall a few weeks early or a few months or a few years early. And let's hurry up the process because sooner that Humpty is off the wall, the sooner we can get to work doing something different. This is a moral hazard. And so with that kind of background, that there is a moral hazard that, that does exist that is prejudiced against capitalism and free enterprise, you take, you take a situation in Puerto Rico such a sinkhole, 
such a complete economic sinkhole. It's a vacuum. It's a wasteland for America right now. There's no economic value we're going to get out of it. We're going to pour money on a one-way street. I'm not saying that's not necessary. We're going to pour money into Puerto Rico for which we'll get zero return probably ever. Just a black hole. That's going to have a very negative effect on our economy. About 21 minutes into the show, where does that fit us on the news links, David? Well, um, broken promise of PROMISA, the uh, bill that was put through by Congress, um, and uh, the fact that that is uh, one of the things that hamstrung Puerto Rico up until this point, uh, that's the next item on the agenda uh, we need to kind of point to, this, the bailout under Title III, because Puerto Rico was not an American state, therefore it wasn't able to use the standard bankruptcy laws. And uh, we now have a real mess on our hands because Congress isn't even in the position that they want to provide the funding to uh, help get Puerto Rico out. So that's that's the next item. Okay, and then uh, we're, we're kind of transitioning into the next section. What's after that? Yes, um, the uh, electric threat, the um, issue of the electrical contractor, Whitefish, being in charge now and the problems of uh, the electric grid. That's the next thing. Well, that's kind of a technocratic problem, so you would think uh, this should be uh, a really prime place for a person who's advocating technocratic government. Um, Patrick, uh, any thoughts? Uh, you're, we're looking at a, an electric system that we're seeing reports from people there that they're turning off generator plants that are functional. Um, that wouldn't seem to make any sense on the surface. Does it make sense from a technocratic point of view? Well, my guess is, and I have—I have to say, I have not been to Puerto Rico recently. I haven't been there ever, but I only know what I see, and basically in the in the press and talking to people like yourself. Um, the the power grid needs to be rebuilt in Puerto Rico from the ground up, as I understand it. It has been so damaged that it, it's a wonder anything works at this point. And so electricity, even to this day, is very scarce in most parts of the island. Um, <clears throat> as the power grid gets rebuilt, there is no doubt that the companies that rebuild it will build it according to the most modern standards of technocratic thinking using things like smart grid where energy can be absolutely metered and you know consumption can be uh, curtailed at will where all of the information that the smart grid has to offer will be able to be harvested and used to manage the people in the country so you know, on one hand, they need a new power grid. Yes, they do. They, they they have to do something. But the companies that come in to do this will be the, the companies like GE, like Siemens, um, you know, some of the other giant, uh, you know, grid construction companies. 
and they're going to end up with a system that will be tailor-made to ensnare the whole country ultimately into a working technocracy. And if again, I might the problem. Go ahead, David. Interject. The, the other thing that was really striking in one of the articles that we have on the links is that this whitefish company is out of Montana, and the there apparently is already a protocol or a system in place for when a disaster happens in one of the uh, American states that they thought would be able to be brought over to uh, Puerto Rico and utilized, in which virtually all of the electrical companies in the country are on standby and ready to assist. And yet it was kind of interesting. It seemed to say that the people, the, the government of Puerto Rico and the um, uh, uh, people in these in the system both agreed not to take that step. In other words, it seems like there's somebody like the in the Wizard of Oz movie it says, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. But it seems like there's a man behind the curtain who's making the decisions about how Puerto Rico's supposed to recover here. And um, I actually saw a Wall Street Journal article this past week in which they claim that there's 31,000 miles of lower um, level wiring that has to be replaced and 4,900 uh, miles of the high voltage uh, wires have to be replaced in the country. Mm. And yet there's nobody being brought in except for this little country, this little company out of Montana. It doesn't make any sense, except maybe there's some other, uh, you know, backdoor reason. Uh, I'm just speculating, but uh, can you address that kind of an issue? <clears throat> well, I, I probably don't know enough about it to to say, but whatever that little whatever that little company is, uh, if I was going to do some research on it, I would immediately examine their board of directors. Uh, I would examine the ownership of the company itself, uh, who's invested money in it, who are the major stockholders. And I would almost bet you dime to a dollar that that little company has some very powerful connections somewhere along the way and that it's there for a reason. Uh, I'm just I'm just saying that's how I would approach it if I wanted to get an answer out of it. I think we had a link there that was when they asked the CEO there were some conflicting excuses for not turning on the power any mm. faster than it's happening. But he was saying he didn't request the help from the uh, the rest of the mainland U.S. because he didn't have the money to pay him. Uh, once again, we're back to the purse strings. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. We'll have a link on that. David, where does that bring us? Uh, we're 20... Uh, 28 minutes into the show. Have about 12 minutes left in this section. David? <laughs> we seem oh. to have lost David. Um, the uh, but We're back to the purse strings again. Uh, again, money. They're not able to make the decisions. Uh, it's I'm seeing over and over and over in the Puerto Rican press that we're all making decisions for Puerto Rico and we don't have any Puerto Ricans. And this show is guilty of that too. Um, we're, we don't have a Puerto Rican voice on this show this time. And that is an oversight that we hope to try to correct. Uh, part of it is a language barrier. Uh, there's 
a lot of the information that's coming out is in Spanish. And I'm not bilingual, so I'm having to count on a, a Google translation, which may or may not be correct. Um, any thoughts there, Patrick? <clears throat> well, lang language obviously is important, and uh, it, it, there are, of course, a lot of people, and maybe the majority of them have some knowledge of uh, of English. But aside from the language issue, we're all the same type of human. Uh, language doesn't, you know, distinguish us. We have in Puerto Rico a huge humanitarian crisis. They're feeling that. And I, I know the people that are at the bottom of that pyramid, the ones that have been completely displaced, all their goods and stuff in this world have been destroyed, and they're basically just standing out in the middle of a street wondering where their next drink of water is going to come from. There's a humanitarian crisis of epic proportions. We've never seen anything like this before. And these people belong to the United States. They're, they're just as, but they belong to the United States just as much as people in Texas do or, or people in, in Pennsylvania or, or Oregon. There are people. <laughs> and they're Americans. They're, they're Americans. And these people are in desperate need. And what I, what I don't see happening is the response to get help to these people, whether it be, you know, by this time we could have built multiple tent cities around the island for people to have shelter. Uh, they, they have sanitation issues, big, huge sanitation issues right now. Uh, the sewer systems don't, electricity, the sewer systems don't work. The water systems don't work. There's going to be disease is going to set in that island. I don't know how long it takes, but I this has happened elsewhere in the world. Uh, disease is going to set in, and people are going to start getting sick and dying. And people are going to start dying from starvation as well if they don't get food in there. And you, but, and you have to ask on one hand, how difficult is it? to get a shipload of supplies from point A to point B. It, I'm back, by the way. And in, in answer to that question, you're actually dovetailing into the next uh, issue, and that is the Jones Act and the issue of lessons learned from Katrina through the Department of the Army that assisted. Um, the Jones Act being the act that, uh, again, going back to Colony, that uh, um, it's an act that prevents any ships from being able to provide supplies to a disabled uh, commonwealth like Puerto Rico unless they have an American flag flying on them, which raises the prices of all goods in the country and then uh, also limits the ability to even respond to a uh, disaster such as this. Yeah. It's absolutely absurd. You know, if I if I had a ship, I don't, but if I had a ship, if I was a billionaire and I had a big ship and uh, 
I wanted to do something to help, and I loaded it up with water and uh, food, MREs or whatever, for people to, to eat. Maybe some other things like portable generators, et cetera. <clears throat> and I was standing offshore, and I knew there was people on that island, even within eyesight, that were in desperate need of that stuff. Uh, I'm sorry. I would say screw the laws. <laughs> you know, except that somebody's going to sit on shore and fire guns at me to keep me from unloading my supplies, I would use rowboats if I had to to get that stuff over to over to the shore where people could get their hands on it. I, I just would not be concerned. I don't know what I don't know what goes through these people's minds that they can hide behind a law like that and say, well we can't help out because blah blah blah. It just makes no sense. Get the stupid ships in there and unload them for crying out loud. If you want to help, just go do it. It's a train wreck. People are going to die. And in those kind of situations, you don't stand on ceremony and say, well, we need to have diplomacy here. That's ridiculous. If you came across a car wreck on a freeway or a highway, and the car had gone off the road or hit another car or whatever, and a thing was starting to smolder, and there was people inside crying for help, and you knew if you didn't get them out in five minutes, they're gonna things are going to explode, they're all going to die. What are you going to do? You're going to sit there and figure, well, I, don't, I better call my insurance company and see if I have liability insurance in case I get sued. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. You don't. You go over, you try and pry open a door and get the people out, and you don't give a rep what anybody else says. Just, just, just let's but do the job. But isn't this an unintended consequence of the subtle technocracy that's been imposed on the people of the Western world? It is. For for decades, because you know you don't you don't go against the authority. You you know you, you, we've got the war on terrorism, which has made us afraid to do anything. Isn't that just the consequences of the things we see going on? Well, it seems to be that uh, you know the nations of the world are kind of honoring this this I don't know hidden code, if you will, that you can't go somewhere without permission you know, until you have permission. But the problem is there's nobody to give permission. <laughs> just so they just kind of wander around in circles, wondering, what are we going to do now while people suffer and die on the island? We'll have a, a link to the, uh, the Comfort uh, Navy ship, hospital ship. Uh, it was took a long time to get it out of Norfolk Harbor. It took a long time to get it to uh, Puerto Rico. And now the reports coming out are it's running circles around the island with empty beds. Uh, they got a, a Puerto Rican journalist, uh, we'll have a link to it, is talking about uh, that, that the, there was going to be a revision in the admission standards by the Comfort to be able to fill those beds back up. Uh, again, the pattern is everything's there, but nobody's given permission to, to carry on. Um, is this kind of... Does, does that make sense from a technocratic, since we're looking at a technocratic response? Makes absolutely no sense at all. <clears throat> the whole purpose of a ship existing is for situations like this. And they spent, I mean, this is a state-of-the-art hospital, 250 beds. I mean, even in, any, in, in a town, in a city, uh, that's a big hospital. And it cost a bunch of money to build it and a bunch of money to staff it with 
professional, you know, doctors and nurses and surgeons and all that kind of stuff, and a bunch of money to run it because you have to keep supplying new stuff all the time to it to make it work. And here it is, they've delivered this floating hospital, which is designed just for situations like this. And yet they can't get patients on board because they're too concerned about admissions. Your insurance, you know, I'm thinking about even locally, this this is happening now in many local hospitals. You walk in and you're 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 all busted up, a mess, whatever, and the the first thing the clerk asks when you get in there, can I see your insurance card? They don't look at you anymore. They just say, Can I see your insurance card? You say, Well, you know, I'm I'm in a bit of a hurt here, lady. I've I've been shot, I've got <laughs> broken leg, and you know, I got a concussion and I you know, I was robbed and mugged, I lost my wallet. No, I don't have an insurance card. Now what are you gonna do about it? Well, I'm sorry, sir, but but you have to have an insurance card before we can look at you. It's, it's uh, we've got about two minutes left in this section, David. Are we caught up on the news links? Yeah, yeah. Section? The um, the next the next section would have to do with uh, the lessons learned from Katrina, and some of the issues that were addressed there, like uh, people, how many people were killed uh, by the event, uh, the aftermath, uh, you know, the the consequences of the uh, hurricane, and uh, the issue of security as it reflects on. Uh, what's going on in Puerto Rico at the moment. Uh, apparently there's a lot of uh, private security groups that are being raised up to try to bring order back to the chaos, but we don't even know what it is. And that, so that's this section. What, what did we learn from Katrina and uh, how is this affecting the people and, and the security of the island? We're going to try okay. to do a, another episode here to follow this, it'd be kind of part two, where we uh, take an analysis of those lessons learned from Katrina and see how we did uh, with this response. And that's, stay tuned. Hopefully that's coming up here shortly. Um, where's, uh, what? The next item is trans- someone's going to get rich. Yeah. Um, there was a, was that that was a local uh, voice from Puerto Rico uh, that was talking about they were in a trucking company and they can't get permission to move uh, what needs to be moved uh, because it looks like it's going to contracts outside back here on the mainland and it's not they not contracted correctly the paperwork again the paperwork uh, Patrick yeah. <clears throat> Again, it's just crazy. I'm, no, nobody is in charge enough to cut through the red tape. And they're more worried about the red tape than they are helping people. I am concerned about the, the policing situation. I understand it pretty pretty easily. <clears throat> but... The island is at risk of falling into a state of having warlords in charge of regions of the country. And this is not this is not going in the right direction. Uh, law and order has broken down. There is no centralized 
uh, suppression of crime or protection of property. And so people are resorting to privately, you know, private security companies, many of whom are meaner than junkyard dogs, <laughs> <laughs> to uh, to patrol areas and to, you know, dispense, quote unquote, justice. <laughs> to, yeah, heaven help these people. I mean, stay out of their way. Um, um, it, it's not the right solution. I can see why they do it. I'd do it to my neighborhood too. I'd I'd be standing out in front of my house with a gun probably too, you know. But uh uh this is not the right solution for a civilized nation. And you know, you say what? We don't have enough national guard. We don't have enough military. You know, we we got how many military bases around the world? Most of which should be shut down probably. We don't have enough people that we couldn't send, you know, enough MPs down there to police the entire country for a period of time and, and help them replace, you know, with with uh, civilized police departments again. Well, yeah, sure we could. But that's not that's not what's being done. They're not doing it. So these people are just filling the they're filling the vacuum. What's the uh, where are we on the. Octopus is the next the next topic. It's uh, the idea of the big head with all the tentacles and and arms sticking out. Coming back to the technocracy issue, uh, somebody's pulling the strings of the puppets, and somebody is uh, manipulating and controlling here. Um, that's the next item. Okay. Yep. Uh, and then the link after that. Uh, the the uh, pharmaceutical world impact. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's probably where we need to focus here. Uh, as far as that, they're they're looking at fending off if those pharmaceutical plants don't get back in operation. That's a significant percentage worldwide of pharmaceuticals. Uh, there could be a pharmaceutical shortage mm-hmm. off of this. So we don't have the option of just saying. Uh, Puerto Rico, sorry guys, just go back to the dark ages. Um, that's going to cause problems for all of us. Uh, can you kind of that? This is a big portion of their exports, and their exports is how they pay off these loans. Mm-hmm. Uh, Puerto Rico means rich port. It mm-hmm. has taken a lot of economic mismanagement to get rich port in the situation where they're needing a handout. Uh, by the same token, we have to make that handout. We're all in this together. Mm-hmm. What is happening in Puerto Rico is going to affect all of us. Uh, any thoughts? <clears throat> well, just commenting on Big Pharma, uh, the fact that there's a high concentration of Big Pharma companies there goes back to a lobbying effort few decades ago by the big pharma companies to release tax uh, tax laws and stuff in Puerto Rico so that they could operate there, essentially a subsidy, so they could operate there um, and pay end up paying a lot less taxes and having a lot cheaper labor, et cetera. And so they flocked to Puerto Rico the drug, the big big pharma companies to build to make drug plants and stuff. Um, 
this was a manipulation of the free market. They didn't deserve these subsidies. They didn't need these subsidies, but they lobbied for them and they took advantage. They invaded Puerto Rico and they took advantage of the country uh, and, and built up a dependency ultimately on big pharma to make everything. We had a similar situation in Arizona with the copper companies. Once upon a time, the copper companies that operated these giant open pit mines, they often would set up a town next to the pit so that people could come and live. The workers come and live there. And um, like in Bisbee, Arizona, that entire town was owned by Phelps Dodge at one point. And uh, you, you lived there at their instance. You went, you shopped at the company store and you worked in the company pit. And when you got done with it, if you wanted to quit your job or whatever, you could leave, you know, and you left town, whatever, you'd have to basically just kind of leave everything behind because you couldn't, you couldn't buy any property. It was all owned by the company. This is kind of what's happened in a micro, and th- that never ended well, by the way, for any of those towns. But yeah, company uh, town goes way back in the, in the yes, old territorial histories. Yeah. That's right. Uh, and, and and this is essentially what farm big pharma has done to the whole stinking country down there. Well, it's not a stinking country, but you understand what I'm saying. It's just like what? Uh all of a sudden you find the whole country is dependent on the on big pharma. Now who's calling the shots? Is it the is it the big pharma companies uh, or is it the, the government of Puerto Rico? Well, every and here's my point. Everywhere you see giant companies like the big pharma companies exerting manipulation and influence, it never ends up well. It never, ever, ever ends up well. It seems like everything they touch turns to dirt eventually. We've seen it in foreign country after foreign country. And in this case, they went after Puerto Rico. And now we're seeing it in Puerto Rico. I can't I can't feel too sorry for the big pharma companies for setting themselves up to fail. That's their problem, not mine. But that is just one more brick on the coffin of Puerto Rico. Because yeah, these drug companies ain't a coming back. When stuff gets, you know, halfway rebuilt or halfway restored, why on earth would they want to come back at this point and rebuild factories when when the people are leaving like you know, like rats to deserting the sinking ship. <clears throat> and by the way, you see pictures of the airport down there. Their major airport uh, is full of people with suitcases trying to get off the island. Uh, how soon is, how long will it take before that settles down? I don't think it will. Uh, people are just done with Puerto Rico that live there. I say, we're out of here. We got to get out of here. Three-fifths of Puerto Ricans uh, live here on the mainland. Yeah. I'm not sure mainland is the correct term for that, but uh, yeah. here in the continental, the ones who did get their statehood, uh, we're down to, again, we're, we don't have a Puerto Rican voice here to explain this from their point of view. They're the, they're the ones who are not being consulted on the future of, on their future. Uh, sovereignty is a, is a big fancy word for, if the control board controls the, the purse strings and the spending decisions, uh, how, what does an individual Puerto Rican do 
if he doesn't like the way his country's being governed. And I'm not Nothing. sure yeah. I'm not sure what the answer to that is at this point. When you're down on when you're down on when you're completely down and out, you have no resources. You just you're just gonna be kicked around like a soccer ball uh for whoever wants to be playing on the field. You remember you remember the situation with the, the Clinton Foundation in Haiti? Uh, I, I, maybe this is the wrong time to bring this up, but when Haiti was, when they've had disaster after disaster after disaster. And the Clinton Foundation has gone in, in there several times and said, we're going to really help you guys out here. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to help rebuild the country. We're going to give you aid, all that kind of stuff. And every time, when they finally, when the dust settles, every time the Clinton Foundation absolutely screwed Haiti and the people of Haiti. And they brought in their capitalist cronies, or at least their, their oligarch cronies, to do things to the country, either to build factories or to extract something or whatever that made them rich. And the Clinton Foundation ended up getting more donations than they put in to the money in Haiti in the first place. They used it. They staged it as a PR event, basically. And they never were held accountable for this either, by the way. But it was horrible. And the same the same type of situation I think we're going to see in, in, in Puerto Rico, but when all the dust settles on this, we'll see who plundered the country and who didn't plunder the country. And the poor people in Haiti that are just basically down on their luck right now, they have no say. They have no control over it whatsoever on who comes and goes. We've got uh, 10 minutes left. Uh, David, are we caught up on the links we wanted to cover? <laughs> and then David's disappeared yeah. again. Yeah, I'm here. Hold on. Um, the uh, answer to your question is yes. Uh, we've gotten through the whole list because the last one on the agenda was Exodus. And Patrick okay. dovetailed right into that one with uh, without even skipping a beat. And uh, it uh, so we've gotten through the items on the agenda that we wanted to cover. It seems that in all of this that we're seeing that same pattern of somebody uh, wants to be in charge and they're not really concerned about the interests of the people. And that's uh, that seems where it always comes down to uh, with what we see in uh, our current social, political, economic system. Uh, so where where do we find a remedy? Where do we find a solution? I know <clears throat> there is no solution right now. It's a humanitarian crisis and needs to be treated that way, period. Uh, hiring somebody, paying somebody money to, like Jurasco, to come in and, you know, marshal the economic recovery. It's like, what, are you kidding me? What, what, what I, I grew up on a ranch, guys, uh, in the foothills of California, and my dad had cattle, and I grew up ha having to ride a horse and herd cattle and all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> one of the things, one of the things early in life, early lesson I li learned in life is my, my dad told me this one time because there's no outhouses out on the range, you know, you just gotta, you gotta go, you just you know, get down off your horse and go pee. <clears throat> he said, son, don't ever, don't ever pee uphill. And don't ever pee into the wind. And there's just so much wisdom in that, you know, you're going to, 
you pee uphill, you're going to get it all running back down the hill all over your feet. And to say that they're going to marshal an economic recovery in Puerto Rico right now before all the rest of the humanitarian crisis is, is still on the table <clears throat> is just so much peeing into the wind. It's, it's a no-win situation. Can't be done. It's not there. There is no economic base to recover from. The first thing to do is to take care of the people and stop them from dying, stop them from getting sick, whatever. Get them off the island if necessary, which they're doing anyway, voluntarily, trying to get off the island. <clears throat> My guess is by the time this is done, Puerto Rico is going to be lucky to have a population of 2 million. And they were four, about four before this started. That's right. And it's already been going this, down. It was going down well before the hurricane. It was down like, I think, since 2006 or some five, six, something like that. The six. population was already down 11%. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. That's yeah. huge, especially because that's your prime working force, the young people. They said, you know, they said, we're out of here. We're not staying here. We, you know, they saw the, the dead end street, whatever. They, they moved to the, to the mainland. But at the same so, time, this, this isn't a dead end street. I mean, this is rich board. That's what the word Puerto Rico, what the words mean. Um, yeah. This is, this is artificially created uh, want in a land of plenty of, uh, and, and again, back to the technocratic, we're, we've talked about all the way back to when you used to work with with, with uh, Professor Sutton. Um, it, there's a, a, a repeat guest on this show has been Susie Dawson. Uh, one of her sayings, which is really fits right here, it's not about left versus right; it's about right versus wrong. And I think that's what we're Aside from all the data and all of the links and all of the realities that are in play right here, capitalism is getting a bad rap out of this. And this isn't capitalism. No. Uh, this is monopoly capitalism. Uh, can you kind of touch on that so we can keep focused on uh, this is a technocratic solution. If you want to see the future of, of we all live a technocratic lifestyle, this is it. Puerto Rico is it. We're seeing it. Any last thoughts here? And hopefully something optimistic in the last five minutes. Yeah, I know. Puerto Rico is <clears throat> it's like a ship that was moving through the sea, out in the open sea, and some sailor gets the, the Weisenheimer idea of dropping the anchors right out in the middle of the ocean. Of course, they don't hit the ground. They don't hit the bottom because it's too deep. So the tri the, the ship tries to make headway with his anchors down and of course the captain may wonder gee why you know we got we're running full full speed here why aren't we going anywhere <laughs> well it's because you got anchors on you idiot you know to our country our economic engine uh we're trying to cruise along and you know get get things ourselves back on back on track again and all of a sudden, Puerto Rico has become like an anchor in the open sea. And <clears throat> it's going to degrade the entire capitalistic system in America. 
if it pushes us over the top, I mentioned the moral hazard before, if it pushes us over the top to where capitalism is seriously damaged or destroyed altogether, technocracy will be uh, suggested as the only solution. And that'll be the day that the trap closes for the world. Technocracy will be in and democracy and the republic will be out. There was a book, I mind you, uh, written in January of this year by a global scholar by the name of Parag Khanna. Mm. The book was called Technocracy in America. And in his book, <clears throat> and the global elite love this guy, by the way, in his book he says that, that democracy in America is broken, the political system is broken, and what we need is to implement a direct technocracy. He said, we need to fire the Senate, just send them home, they're useless anyway. We need to turn the Constitution over to the Supreme Court, let them modify it, modernize it. We need to get rid of the office of the presidency, a single presidency at least, and we need to have a committee of presidents like they have in China today, like the Politburo. We need to have a committee. Maybe seven would be a good number. And then we need to consolidate all of the centers of power and agencies and stuff and you know, consolidate those, maybe get down to just a very few number of cabinet positions. This is radical stuff. This is as radical as it was in the 1930s when they wanted FDR to become dic just declare himself dictator in order to implement technocracy. And people question whether, well, they're really what is the really technocrats out there trying to do this, that, and the other, you know, that really think about technocracy. I said, yes, there are. Go read Pragkana's book, Technocracy in America. Um, all we need at this point is enough of a disaster on capitalism to pave the way for technocracy to just come in straight away. And, well, perhaps uh, the hope is that because we know um, I happen to have been on Puerto Rico for several months in my life and the people of Puerto Rico are very resilient people. And mm. perhaps it, 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 the wake up call is understanding what is this whole program is about, what is being put into place, what's being manipulated at the moment and maybe if people will understand where they're attempting to take this we can at least uh have a um you know our eyes open to see what they're claiming is uh capitalism but it's not and if we can make it clear that what they've done fails then uh, maybe this is a way that we can make lemonades out of lemon here uh and uh the next uh show we're going to do is uh, a man who's you know, been involved in Puerto Rico for two decades, who knows a lot about what's going on there. And we're going to kind of look at some of those answers uh, in the second segment of this show. Excellent. So we're down to a choice. Uh, do we choose technocracy or not? And, and Puerto Rico is, by their own uh, admission, this is a laboratory for technocratic rule. It is at this point. It's a perfect opportunity for them to to exercise their social, you know, social engineering project. Is this the future America wants? These are Americans in Puerto Rico. Yeah. We're not asking them. Um, no. I think that needs to change too. No, I, it it does. And unfortunately, uh, so far, nobody in our government, especially nobody in society really, has any way to ask them you know, what they want, 
what they want to do. I, you know, you could hope that it's going to go back. Maybe it's going to set them back 50 years, probably be the best thing that ever happened to them. But as you see money pouring in, you'll see money start to pour into Puerto Rico, buying up properties for people who can no longer afford to own the property. The, there'll be money flowing in to buy up farms and, and, uh, and orchards and plantations. Watch to see where that money's coming from and what they intend Follow to do with money. it. That's right. Follow, Follow the, the money. money. 